Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Energized by Celsius, I'm John Ledger from PewterReport.com. With me today on this wonderful Wednesday edition of the Pewter Report podcast is the one and only Scott Reynolds, and we are focusing, our focus continues to be on this offseason outlook with the box as we look at the cornerback position. Scott, there is literally nothing going on in the NFL right now. This is one of the few like weeks of the year. Yeah. Like, what couple weeks in February after the senior bowl, before the combine, before the week before the combine, honestly, right. we start hearing stuff the week before the combine. Now we're in that lull period and yep. we can talk about whatever we want, but at the same time, it's like people are finally breathing from the NFL season. Oh, we have the Super Bowl on Sunday, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and uh, it's certainly, um, it's certainly not as fun as it was last year. Right. I mean, <laughs> this, this time last year, we were talking about the Bucks. We didn't even have these weeks last year. We didn't have them at all. We just went right to it was literally Super Bowl. We turned around and combine. Yeah. We had Jason Light on talking about the Super Bowl. We had Bruce Arians on talking about the Super Bowl. Everybody was in a good mood and happy. Now everyone's like, what's going to happen? Who's going to be the quarterback of this team? And is Carlton Davis going to be back? Is Chris Godwin going to be back? So, from a, a journalist standpoint, from a news standpoint, it's kind of exciting because there's going to be a lot happening. I mean, buckle up. This off season is going to be, it's going to be quite intense and, and quite busy. Uh, I, I think most of my family and friends now understand that, that my true off season using air quotes here for the, the audio podcast, right? My off season is like June and July because there really is no off season February and in March and April, there's no football per se. There's no games to cover. My Sundays are are freer now, as a, as, as are yours. Right. But there's going to be plenty of news, and uh, and I think one of the of the main topics is going to be Carlton Davis. Is he going to get the franchise tag? Uh, there's a lot of question marks when it comes to the cornerback position, John. Right. This is not a position that you look at long term and say. You know, they got their nickel, they got their outside guys, they're set, gravediggers intact for years. Last year, with injuries to Sean Murphy Bunting, with injuries to Carlton Davis, with injuries to Jamel Dean, uh, it kind of interrupted the evaluation process for the team and and trying to to look at the future forecast and say, we feel really good about a cornerback position. Right. I don't think they feel really good about their cornerback position. They feel good about one guy, but he's not under contract next year. That's Carlton Davis. Right. It's going to be complicated because this past year did not provide as much clarity as I'm sure the Bucs would have liked to provide, but it still gave us some things. And we'll talk about those on today's shows. We'll look at free agency. We'll look at the draft. We'll look at all of it. And we'll talk about how the team should and could address cornerback moving into the offseason. But first, all this is going to be brought to you by our friends over at Celsius, which I unfortunately forgot to grab one before today's show. That's what I got today. What did you get? Cola. Oh, Cola. this is the one people are hyping. Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. I, I tried this flavor a couple of months ago and, um, you know, I, I'm not a big cola drinker. I used to be when I was, you know, was younger in my teens and twenties, I drink sodas all the time. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, you know, sodas are not the best thing for you. Right. But sometimes I, I miss that, that cola flavor. Right. Yeah. And the great thing is, Celsius has nailed it. They've done it again, right? With this cola flavor. Wow. I'm not going to mention any brand names, but folks, if you like the taste of cola, this is for you. Mm-hmm. This is the Celsius that you need to drink. It's different from the other fruit flavors because there's no fruit in this one. This one is cola flavored and it tastes like cola. So you can get that cola kick if you mm-hmm. want a soft drink. And John, the great thing but about no this sugar. Is no sugar, no preservatives. Wow. It's the same Celsius formula that's going to give you that energy without the crash. And, and it's going to give you that cola flavor. So the cool thing is, is I went and uh, I usually have on the subscribe and save the orange flavor and my wife Ashley's favorite, the watermelon. Those come in every month like clockwork via the mail, via uh, Amazon. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get the, the variety pack. Because right. there's some flavors that I haven't had in a while. Like I had this one the other day, grape, right? right. Tastes just like a grape soda. It's grape fantastic. Brush, yeah. And uh, so I was I was pleasantly surprised. There's a couple colas in here, and I, I washed this down this morning, and I was like, damn, that, that tastes really good. So if you want to get Celsius and find out where to get all these flavors, 
click on those banner ads on pewterreport.com right. or go to celsius.com, click on the store locator and type in your address and, and you'll find out where you can get uh, Celsius near you, whether it's at a health and fitness store, convenience store, grocery store, et cetera. Uh, tons of flavors. One of those flavors, John, it, that you see here on the screen is sparkling strawberry guava. Mm -hmm. Celsius has got a special giveaway now through Valentine's Day, which is Monday, John. Do you have the details on that? Yeah, for sure. All you have to do is put your name and your email address in, and the link is literally below in the YouTube description. It's right there for you. Very easy. Um, just all you have to do is open that link up and put your name and your email in there, and you get entered uh, to win yourself uh, some. And there's going to be more than one winner, too, by the way. Yeah, uh, five win winners. They're going to yeah, get a winners. free case of strawberry guava, and that's yeah. a great flavor because you think of strawberries and chocolates for Valentine's Day. So strawberry guava. They're going to give away five cases. So that's yeah, really easy. Go to... Uh, I believe it's uh, Celsius.com backslash. Um, yeah, I can put uh, the link in there. Pewter, uh, Pewter Report V Day, and that link will will take you to uh, a sign up where you put in your name and email address, and they're going to pick five winners. So it's right, super cool, free way for you to get some Celsius. Yeah, no question about it. Great stuff. Let's talk about Carlton Davis, Scott, because this is uh, no, we got to go. And James is ready to try the Celsius cola. I love it's it. good. It's good. I'm sleeping on it for a while. I'm putting this one back in rotation, folks. Right. That's good stuff. Uh, let's talk about Carlton Davis. Uh, I don't know that I have seen a Bucks fan this offseason mention Carlton Davis and say they don't want him back, or maybe they shouldn't spend the money. Right. He's all he's in, like, in the Chris Godwin. Like Bucks fans will be beside themselves if either of those players are not back. And by all expectations, we believe that those players will probably be back. I put the link there in the, in the chat right. for everybody. It's Peter V day. Uh, it's a Peter report V day. It's Peter V day. Yep. For the giveaway. Um, yeah, this, it, it would be very strange for the bucks to go into next season without Carlton Davis. Like, yes, because there's no certainty at the other cornerback positions. Now let's just address them all at once. We can honestly do that right. on the show. I think, I think Carlton Davis is the number one corner in the NFL. Like, I don't think he's the best corner in the NFL, but I think he's a very good football player. And him coming back from injury and playing at a high level, that was big for me, Scott. That really convinced me that this guy is ready to roll at the next level. Like, he he can reach that tier, I think. Um, maybe not Jalen Ramsey tier, you know, if we're saying the very top guy in the league or whatever. But he played in an exceptional level all season long. If Carlton Davis had just caught the ball, yeah, he would have been a pro boy. Like he was. In, we're not talking about like almost picks, Scott. Right. We're talking about like just straight up drops. And the year before, he had improved in that. Yeah. And then this past year, he dropped so many picks. I know. But he made tons of plays on the ball. Every year he's been a buck. He makes tons of plays on the ball. Yep. Last year he caught a bunch of them. This past year didn't catch as many of them. Yeah, obviously, he had four interceptions, career high in twenty twenty. That, Last that year. to be honest, is a pretty good number in today's NFL. It is. Picks. Yeah, he it really is. A couple more, too. And right? he should have had four this year. He had one. He should dropped have, yeah. three. He dropped right. three others. Yeah, he, no. he definitely could have had more. Now, but the, a corner who consistently gets their hands on the ball, like there's not much more you can ask for in today's NFL. Right. Can be scheme diverse, gets their hands on the football, will come up and tackle. Yes, he missed too many tackles this year. Part of it was being out of the lineup for as long as he was. I think that affected him. Yeah. Getting back to the speed tackling is one of the hardest things, I think, to get back into. Right. But – I think he's the real deal. Like, I don't see – there's no way that you can let this guy go. Tag him, sign him to a long-term contract after you tag him, before you tag him, I don't care. There's no way Carlton Davis can hit the market. Yeah, I agree. And, and the great thing about Carlton Davis is, it's first of all, it's hard to find number one corners, right? I mean, th this team, they, they drafted Vernon Hargraves in the first round. They've spent premium picks, Sean Murphy Bunting in the second round, Jamel Dean in, in the third round. John, they, they even drafted two corners – in uh, in twenty seven or twenty eight uh, eighteen, when they drafted Carlton Davis, he was he was the second cornerback they drafted. They drafted MJ Stewart ahead of Carlton Davis, yeah. uh, which was an epic fail by Jason Light, one of his you know few draft misses yeah. in in the early rounds of the draft. But what a great recovery, right? If you're going to whiff on one second round corner, you, you, yeah. you nail it. That's why I bet, I bet there were people in that draft. I wasn't covering the bucks then Scott, but yeah. I bet there were people that said, why two corners in a row? We need this. We need this. Right. One of the most important positions on the field. Yes. Give yourself multiple attempts to get it right. Because right. reality is with the draft, no matter how good you are, you're going to yep. miss on play. Everybody loved MJ Stewart. I mean, I didn't, but almost every draft we were out there loved them. They, they loved it. He was physical. Yeah. He could play nickel. He could play inside. He played yeah. like a dime line. He, he had a good week at the at the senior bowl. He, he was named one of the practice players of, of the week that week. And 
they liked his physicality. They, they, but the thing is, he just didn't. He's not an athletic player. He's no. didn't have the speed and athleticism to to keep up. It was not an outside corner. They tried him inside the slot, and it was just an epic fail. But right. again, uh, and he gave he, himself he, options, right? And that's he got right. it right. And then the next year, he did the same thing. Yeah. And he flooded it again. And that at those positions, it's made all the difference in the world for the Bucs. Because, yeah, Sean Murphy Bunning hasn't been great. But Carlton Davis has been great. And now, Jamel Dean's past season, very encouraging to me, Scott. The yes. most consistently good play. And you heard it from Bruce Arians. He was, toward the end of the year, he was very complimentary of the way Jamel Dean played. He called his game against the Eagles the best game of yep. Jamel Dean's career as a Buccaneer. Totally That's agree. how highly he thought of him. Obviously, there's still a hiccup here or there with Jamel Dean. People always got to remember, though, if you're fans, what are you comparing it to? We're not comparing Jamel Dean to Jalen Ramsey. We know that's not the standard. We're not comparing him to Stephon Gilmore in his prime. We know that's not the case with him right now. But to the average starting cornerback in the NFL, absolutely better than the average starting cornerback in the NFL. So you go into next season, in my opinion, Scott, with Dean and Davis, those are your starters. I'm not saying you don't bring anybody else or push them. Dean right. can all, you know, pushing Dean's always a good idea. But the way those two guys played last year when they were in the lineup, they look like a, a very good starting cornerback tandem. And I think the Bucs secondary is this young group that kind of emerged in the playoffs, then got decimated by injury last year. Yeah. And then I think this could it could be a huge season for this group coming up. It, it could. And, and really the X factor is just it's those injuries, right? When you look at Jamel Dean played in 15 games out of 17, but he also left early in a couple of those games, the, the Colts game, the Rams game, right? So you really factor in those games. And he was only healthy for 13 of the 17 games. Carlton Davis only played in 10 because of that quad injury. Then you had Sean Murphy Bunting, who only played in nine due to his injury, and which happened in, in week one, right? I mean, he's he's playing against the, the Cowboys in right. week one and, and, uh, and, and suffered that injury. So, uh, you know, I, I think they like this group. I also think they got the absolute crap scared out of them with regards to the the injuries at the position. I mean, it wasn't just Sean Murphy Bunting going out in week one. It wasn't just Jamel Dean. It, it wasn't just Carlson Davis. It was, uh, you know, you had Dee Delaney who had a concussion, you know? I mean, they had to play Ross Cockrell as a starting cornerback, which is not ideal, right? They had to bring in Richard Sherman. Then Sherman gets hurt. And it was just... You know, you kind of felt for Ty Bowles, right? Because it it's just he's trying to game plan against some of the league's best wide receivers on a weekly basis and some of the best quarterbacks. Right. And who's he going to have to start? Right. He goes into the, the Eagles game and Richard Sherman is out there and he gets hurt on the first, what, second play of the game. Mm -hmm. And then he's gone. So it was just this revolving door at cornerback. And, John, I'm kind of with you. Here's the situation when it comes to the cornerback position in Tampa. You've got three guys that you have premium draft picks invested in. Second round pick in Carlton Davis. You and I both think that smells like the franchise tag, if mm -hmm. not a long-term deal for Carlton Davis, right? But he's going to be back. Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting are entering their contract years. And I agree with you. I loved how Dean really came on. And, and, and even when he was in the lineup, it was pretty consistent play. The only thing that, that – led to some inconsistencies with just the injuries, right? It was a concussion. It was a knee. It was uh, it was another injury that he had. I, I forgot what it was. But but I, th I think they like their guys, and probably the biggest question mark is around Sean Murphy Bunting. But you've got two of those guys, Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean, that are entering a contract year, right? And you can't fit your option, those guys, because they're second and third round picks respectively. Right. So you almost feel like they're going to draft a corner this year just to throw in the hopper because I, I I think one of those guys, either Dean or Sean Murphy Bunting, is gone. If I had to say right now, I think Sean Murphy Bunting is the guy that's gone. So, so they got to put another not, not this year. You're saying not this year. 2023, yes. yeah. Yeah, they'll let, they'll let him go. And maybe both. Maybe both. Depends maybe both. Yeah. Out, but yeah, maybe both. It depends. You know, here's the thing with guys like Dean Davis, especially Dean, I mean – Dude has been like what he's had, you know, yes. great game, faggot. But some, the, both of those guys are among the league leaders over the last several years, really since they entered the NFL, basically in passes defensed. Right, those almost always turn into a couple crazy interception high seasons because you right. have you are so consistently a the Bucks are so consistently thrown on 
mm-hmm. I don't think that'll change a whole lot. Like they're going to be throwing at more than other teams. Really. Now, maybe not as much because the teams might not have to be catching up if they're not scoring as many points. Right. They're going to be throwing at a lot probably with how good their run defense is always. And those guys are going to get opportunities to intercept balls. And that's yep. going to, that was contract. Somebody said it earlier. He cost himself millions, Carlton, by dropping those balls. That's probably not crazy to say. I mean, that's it's too yeah. linear. The NFL shouldn't think that linear. But when right. it comes to picks, if you had had a four-pick season followed by a five- or six-pick season, yep. especially considering the games you missed, mm-hmm. he could have had a five-pick season. Like that's not out of yep. that's not crazy to say if you look at his tape. And he could have had a couple picks in the postseason too against that's the Eagles. Right. <clears throat> those yep. kind of things that registers for NFL hey, teams a lot. You, you're exactly right, John. We just got through having that fraud of a, of a game we call the Pro Bowl, right, over this past weekend. But listen, I've had two, uh, two of the best Buccaneers of all time tell me. Warren Sapp told me this. He says, pressures don't get you in the Pro Bowl, right? Sacks get you in the Pro Bowl. And when you've got uh, Rondé Barber, who's the other one, tell me, Pass breakups don't get you in the Pro Bowl. Interceptions get you in the Pro Bowl. And what do Pro Bowls do? Yeah. Pro Bowls get you paid, right? Because that's what the agent tells the team. It's, listen, right. my guy's a Pro Bowler. He deserves Pro Bowl money, right? And so, uh, you know, stats are for losers sometimes, but but there's an accumulative effect here, right? And just like you said, uh, when it comes to contracts, if Carlton Davis is a, a four-interception guy, let's say he got four picks the previous year, which he did, and then last year, let's say he would have caught those balls, he had four interceptions, He's just getting paid at a higher rate because he's in the Pro Bowl, right? He's he's and, and now it's not a well, you know, is he a top 10 corner? Okay. Well, is it is it closer to number 10 or is it closer to number right. five, closer to number one? So it makes a right. difference. And then it, there's a domino effect because the more money Carlton Davis takes up with his contract, the less money you have for other people. So yeah. especially so when you're gonna pay Winfield. Winfield doesn't have the 50 year option. Right. That's even though right. he should have been a first round pick, you know, he was, yeah. he was not a second round pick. And so yeah. you have yep. to think about your, those are the, if you're looking at your secondary, just in terms of thinking about who you're going to pay, who you're going to replace. That's yep. kind of how you, and you and know what, John, point by Leo too, that Dean made a glass, not reliable, always hurt. You know, it's not necessarily been that he's missed a lot of time in his career. He hasn't, but there is the reality with Leo that it was like five or six different times. He was down with an injury this past season right. and missed the next game or missed the rest of that game and came back yep. the next week. So this is a concern with them going into next year. You, in my opinion, need to bring somebody else in. I don't think it has to be a first-round pick or second-round pick or a big-name right. free agent, but you have to have some other options at this position. Yeah, I agree. And when you look traditionally at Jason Light, where he's drafted cornerbacks, cornerbacks that have panned out. I mean, he had a fourth-round pick in Ryan Smith, the who um, you know didn't pan out. He was a special teamer, and that's that's pretty much it. But the guys that he's drafted, Carlton Davis, second rounder, Sean Murphy Bunting, second round, Jamel Dean, third round, first round pick invested in Vernon Hargraves. So it's it's been a premium type position for him. This year, I don't I think the Bucks, John, they could get away with with not drafting a cornerback in the early rounds using a, a premium pick, what we'll consider first, second, third round, you know, day one, day two guys. I think they could probably get away with with not doing that this year, rolling with those guys and giving them the opportunity to to see how they can stay healthy, how they can progress, especially Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting in their contract years. But at the same time, I just wonder if he's not shell-shocked by what happened last year. He and Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians aren't shell-shocked in saying, we don't want to have to go through the, the cornerback carousel again when we're reaching for the Pierre Desairs, the, the D Delaney's. We want to get a guy in here that we like and that we, mm-hmm. we know about. And, you know, and that's why the, the first-round mock drafts are always tough, right, because it's before Senior Bowl, it's before the East West Shrine, it's before the Combine. Uh, but one of the guys we had in there was Kobe Bryant, who was the the cornerback, the other cornerback, not named Sauce Garner at Cincinnati. And interestingly enough, uh, this was the guy that was the Jim Thorpe Award winner. It wasn't even yeah. Sauce Carter, who was who was yeah. the the better cornerback at Cincinnati. But um, you know, and I don't think he he necessarily stole the show. He flashed a little no. bit the Senior Bowl, but he was he wasn't a guy that really was a Senior Bowl standout. And that's okay because he was solid. He, he was solid. Yeah. He wasn't one of the worst. Galante Taylor from Tennessee was was terrible. Uh, I'm trying to think through the other names of the corners that were there. I'll pull up some just to give yeah. people an idea. But there were a couple. Thompson, uh, I'm trying to remember. It was Texas A&M, I believe. The corner, Josh Thompson, maybe. Uh, he was there's really, the UTSA kid, uh, Tariq Woolen. 
Uh, Josh Thompson from Texas. I'm sorry. He's who I was thinking of. Yeah. He really struggled. I uh, know there were Tariq Woolen, Woolen, who we'll get to in a second. I see somebody in the chat mention him. He's actually who I want to talk about. Um, but there's the whole conversation with the Bucs, Scott. If Dean and if Carlton Davis are, is back, and if he and Dean are your outside corners, do you draft a traditional nickel corner? It will. I mean, it could honestly, like, is Jordan White coming back? Because like you could do Winfield more in the slot if you feel like you trust Mike Edwards more after this past year, yeah. and you trust Whitehead obviously if he's back, and you want to run more three safeties and have more. Like you could play Edwards in the slot and Winfield and exchange right. him. And but what's the plan there? Like is it just SMB? Do you like are you just going to trust him to be your full time nickel? Right. Do you want to bring in a true like a Jalen Petrie type of player from Baylor who was at the season? I love him. Right, but he's not a typical. Right, he's not a typical box player yeah. in terms of corner. Exactly. But in terms of safety, I mean, like they don't have the size required. I mean, Winfield and Whitehead are both small safeties. Yeah, if they want physical guys who can play around the line of scrimmage. No question, Petrie can do that. What do you have? A hundred tackles for loss at right. Baylor? Like, I mean, so that's one of the the one of the big struggles is not necessarily figuring out what players we like, but it's figuring out what the Bucks are going to do. Like, how do they yeah. treat the nickel position? Do they keep treating it like it's oh, a, we don't have to have a nickel specific guy, or do they? To want to change something that they've done. Well, the thing is, I think that they like Sean Murphy Bunting as that nickel guy, right? And and from but he's a, bad at, <laughs> but he's bad at exactly. Yes, and, and and you're right. That presents probably the biggest challenge right now for the Buccaneers. John is yeah is is of the three corners, right? Who is the weakest link? Who is the guy that you would want to draft the replacement for? Well, it's not Carlton Davis because you're going right. to franchise him or give him a big, yeah. huge starting cornerback deal. It might be Dean, but Dean is only an outside corner. He is not a slot corner. The, right. the, the guy that you're thinking about replacing is Sean Murphy Bunting, who can play outside, but because Dean is better than him and Davis is better than him, he's he's the slot guy. And so how important is inside-outside flexibility in the next corner? Because I don't believe Kobe Bryant has that, and I don't agree. By the way, we take Kobe Bryant. We're talking about Cincinnati cornerback Kobe Bryant he does have the yes. same name spelled differently yes. um I don't believe he has that and there's a lot of corners exactly you know, from college that don't I mean honestly Sean Murphy Bunting didn't was nobody would have called him a slot corner coming out yeah and he the played some in the slot. And it hasn't worked yeah he played some yeah. in the slot at Central Michigan but that was not like his premier position he was an outside corner who did play some in the slot so you're right and the other thing John is when you look at at with the Bucks the Bucks put a premium on size at the cornerback position. Mm-hmm. I was told by somebody in the know um, who is, you know, in the decision-making process that they're done drafting smaller corners. Like Vernon Hargraves totally turned them off because he got big boy way too much at five foot 10. They're done with corners. So you're not going to see them draft a cornerback who's shorter than six feet tall. And Sean Murphy Bunting is, is six foot. Carlton Davis is six one and some change. So is Jamel Dean, and they've got longer arms. So th- the problem is when you look at a guy like Roger McCreary, who is a very good corner from Auburn. He is five ten, and he is uh, a guy that will play in the slot and, and play really well. But he's not doesn't have that ideal size. And at the same time, when they had to play Antoine Winfield uh, in, in the slot, that was not ideal from a size standpoint. You even saw. On the last play, and that wasn't, you know, his five foot nine size didn't have much to do with that Cooper Cup catch. But mm-hmm. Cooper Cup is six foot two, and Antoine Winfield is is five foot nine. It didn't matter on the inter- the interception right, but... for Michael Pittman, right? When right, when, right. when Winfield skied up and, and grabbed that. Because he's an elite tier athlete, but Mike Edwards is not an elite tier athlete. That changes exactly. Things. Size matters less when you're moving faster, hitting yes. harder as a result of moving faster, able to leap higher. You know all those yep. things. Your size can be offset when you're that good of an athlete, but right. when you're a middling athlete like Edwards and a middling size, and even Whitehead to a degree is, is kind of the same. Yeah, so they haven't really prioritized size at safety, and it intrigues me a lot when it comes about Petrie. We'll talk more about safety necessarily tomorrow, yeah. but <clears throat> there could be some crossover between corner and safety because right. of the indecision kind of in the way and, that they and see it. you know it. what? You're right, John. You're onto it there because what happened this past year was it forced the Buccaneers, when all these corners are dropping like flies, Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is keep in mind, when you go in the street and you find a guy like a Richard Sherman or a Pierre Desaire or, you know, D. Delaney was in-house, but he was the last guy in the totem pole. The guys they had to bring in were outside corners because their outside corners got hurt. It was Jamel Dean. It was it was Carlton Davis. And that's usually where teams better wide receivers line up is on the outside. 
So that's why we're talking about a Kobe Bryant because you know they might need a guy to have in the hopper in case an injury happens to Davis or Dean. They can stick in there. They don't want to put Sean Murphy Bunting outside. He's not that effective outside. So that's why there's the need for maybe an outside corner. That's why you've seen some of these mock drafts have a bigger guy like uh, you know a Kyer Elam from from uh, Florida, right? He's a big six foot two corner that mm-hmm. kind of fits that outside mold. But then the thing is, is if you're looking at replacing the weaker link. Sean Murphy Bunting, you need a guy that can play inside and outside that that can do what Sean Murphy Bunting does because he might be the guy you're replacing. So one of the guys that I've really had my eye on is Kyler Gordon from Washington. Now, Trent McDuffie played some in the slot, and Mm -hmm. he was he's probably their better corner. This guy, and I'm friends with Jimmy Lake, the former coach at, at Washington who recruited a lot of these guys, he's a defensive back guru. The athleticism Kyler Gordon has is crazy. He's just kind of a late bloomer to the position because he played, he was a starter in 2019. And of course he was in 2020, but that was the the COVID shortened season. They only played four games out there in the Pac-12. He was only healthy for three. So in 2020, he and remember JTS didn't even play. Joe Tryon Shoyanka sat out 2020, but uh, Kyler uh, Gordon played, in three games, but he didn't have any interceptions until this past season where he had seven pass breakups and two interceptions. He forced a fumble. He is a very athletic guy and he's got the size that you're looking for to be able to play inside at six foot, 200 pounds. So that's a guy in the late first, early second, depending on how he tests that that would be a better option than a Kobe Bryant because Bryant is strictly kind of an outside corner. So you've got some more, positional flexibility with a guy like Gordon. Right. And and one-on-ones are tough for corners in the senior bowl, but I will say this wasn't a great group of wideouts. So to see some yep. of these guys struggle was pretty concerning uh, at the senior bowl. And there were definitely some that really struggled. I mentioned Josh Thompson, who is probably actually under the buck size. He's got good arm, long arms, but yeah. he's only 5'10". So there's some guys like that. The other interesting thing, you mentioned Roger McCreary. We'll probably get a ton of questions about Roger McCreary going up to the draft, Scott, yep. because he's an Auburn guy. Yep. Here's the thing. Roger McCurry straight up said at the Senior Bowl, that was his first time playing zone coverage. He yeah. just never played it at Auburn. They didn't do right. it at all, he said. Yep. It was always zone match, and you ended up man-to-man or you just pure man-to-man. So he had no clue what he was doing. He, his own words, Trevor told me this. Like mm-hmm. Trevor Sycamore and I were yep. talking at the Senior Bowl. He said, McCurry told him, i never done this, so this is totally new to me. I was ter- like, I'm not going to have a good week of practice because it's totally new to me, but I'm ready to learn it. The Bucs obviously play a lot of zone coverage. Right. It doesn't mean they won't draft him. It just means he won't be an impact player right away, a yeah. little more than likely. It takes time to learn and get a feel right. for zone. Jamal Dean's had to learn it, but it's taken three years. Right. He talked about it this year. Yes. I mean, he came from Auburn as well, and I think things were different. Dean did play some in college, but it's still mostly man scheme, and he had to learn, obviously, zone basically in Tampa Bay uh, to a large degree, and honestly is still learning it. He's, he's yeah. I don't care well, what his PFF right. grades say. And, he's better. And, and the thing is, is Todd Bowles likes to play – Man to man, he likes to play press man, sure. but he he does that when That's when he's got, <laughs> yeah, is a changeup, yeah. I mean, he likes to do it when he's got all the starters out there, right? Because yeah, yeah. he doesn't want to play a press man with D Delaney. He doesn't want to play press man with Richard Sherman, who's thirty three, or with uh, with Pierre Desaire. So he, he was a bit you know hamstrung by you know who was out there, but he shares the same philosophy to, Todd Bowles does. As did Monty Kiffin. Remember, back in in the day with the Tampa two defense, they played zone, right? That was that was pretty much yeah. what Tampa played. But Monty Kiffin drafted man corners: Rondé Barber, Donnie Abraham, Brian Kelly, and and what you know. I remember asking you know Monty, I said you know why are you drafting all these man coverage corners to play in Tampa two zone? And he said because obviously we use man coverage as a, as a changeup. And he said. It's so much easier to have a guy that can play man mm. and have the athleticism to do that with that background to teach them zone rather than to take a zone corner from college and try to teach him man. And he said, man, because it's such an athletic thing, it's what Raheem Morris called cat coverage. You got that cat. I got this cat. You know, and wherever he goes, you go. Right. Um, and so if, if you're looking at strictly zone corners, in college, 
you don't get a real read in a bead on their athleticism. You know, can they they take a guy on a on a on a shallow crosser across the field and can he stay in that guy's hip pocket all the way across the field? Does he have the speed and athleticism, the agility, you know, to to do that or to to go on a on a go route and man coverage 45 yards down the field? So I, I hear you, John, and, and that that's kind of why it's important for them. And that's why I think they like these Auburn corners is because they do play a lot of, of yeah. man. They don't play a lot of zone. So you can already check that box. When Todd Bowles wants to get a press man, guys like Jim Aldean and Carlton Davis, they feel at home. Like, oh, cool. We got this. Right. Yeah. No, it's a, it's interesting to think about because there are layers to both of them, obviously, but that, I think there will be options for the box of corner in this draft and all rounds of the draft is supposed to be a good corner class. Yeah. We learn a lot about corners after they test. There are not many slow corners that are good in the NFL. It's just very, very right. rare. <laughs> so we will, uh, there will be some guys eliminated. I remember Cam Dantzler, remember That's right. two years ago, he yeah. like everybody's like, Oh, he played Jamar chase tougher than anybody in the country. And it was okay, yeah. but it wasn't that. Tough. And then he ran what four, six, four, seven. Yeah. And yeah. he's been okay for the Vikings. Lighting up and he's right. gonna get replaced at some point. Like those guys, just you know, he was like, "Oh, he could be a late first round." Then yep. he ran that. It's like, all right, where, I don't know where he went. You know what, John? Same thing with Jonathan Banks when when Mark, uh, when um, uh, Greg Schiano and he's, Mark Dominic drafted Thorpe, him. He was a Thorpe guy too, right? Yep, Jim Thorpe Award winner. Had like like six interceptions. I think two or three pick sixes his last year at Mississippi State. He was a ball hawk. I mean, statistically, you loved the guy. He liked his length. He was six two, long arms. But he was a four six guy, right? Yeah. And it's like that worked in college, but you know, when you everyone's at the NFL level, yeah. 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 You gotta be special. They're just are not you can look at the track yeah. record, mockdraftable.com, and they're yeah. just I take them off my board, honestly. At a certain That's right. Point. And yeah, you might Rich Mitch on Richard Sherman. I yeah. forget what he exactly ran. Actually, I don't want to slander boy. But like most almost everybody is has not been good right. in the NFL that ran. So, so no, anyway, right. that, that'll eliminate some people. We got a good question here from Alex, five dollar super chat. What about avoiding the draft altogether, signing Mackenzie Alexander for the slot and keeping SMB on the boundary in a reserve role? Possibility, Alex. Um, again, we go back to the thing. Are the Bucks gonna keep just saying we're gonna sign big corners, draft big corners, prioritize big corners that are flex position flex? We don't really care because we don't we play more zone than man whether yep. they're able to man anybody up on the slot or not. It's not a big deal to us. Or are they going to say, you know what? We need to go man more often. We need somebody who can man up the slot. It's been killing us for seasons. We got to change what we're doing. Last year, coming off the Super Bowl, harder to look at it. SMB had, had a couple picks. Harder to look at it and say, oh, we're going to change what we're doing. Right. This year, coming off the way things ended, the secondary getting torched again, getting mm-hmm. torched by a lot of good quarterbacks um, when they win those matchups. Maybe it's easier for them to look at things and be like, all right, we're going to change some of the things we're doing. So we probably won't know that until the draft. We'll try to know it if we get a chance to talk to Todd Bowles and Jason Light. But we might not know it until the draft. So I like Mackenzie Alexander. I'm actually – I didn't see him at all this past year. I don't know how he played um, this past year. But I I like Mackenzie. I I was a big fan of Mackenzie Alexander coming out. He's made a good career for himself as a a good nickel corner. But I would – I mean, free agency is going to be tricky, Scott. I don't know if you are ready to jump there. Or did you want anybody to touch on anybody else from the draft? Well, I, I think that that uh, when you when you look at one of my favorite players is is Sauce Gardner, and I don't think he's going to be there. I think this guy is a pretty special player. Number one, there he was playing opposite Kobe Bryant, who's number seven, and uh, that was a nice one-two punch. He's such a Bucks type of player because he so is. He's, <laughs> he's so physical. Yeah, he's the crap. dream, man. He's the dream. He can blitz from from the corner. Um, yeah, very physical guy, long, lanky, great size, great instincts. Did not give up a single touchdown, John, in three years as a starter. That's hard to do, yeah, right. And it's like you look at, at uh, you know, at a player like like Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, he he gave up I think three touchdowns each season, but then he also had a lot of interceptions. He had nine picks, thirty five pass breakups, and four forced fumbles. So you know, those are two productive guys there at Cincinnati. Uh, I do like uh, you know Kyler Gordon. Um, I haven't I haven't really you know done the deep dive on the position past the the first and second and third round guys. You know, we had a, a a question here. Um, you know, is is Martin Emerson, Jonathan Banks 2.0? I'm not a huge Martin Emerson fan. They both played at Mississippi State, but. Um, 
I didn't. I haven't watched Martin Emerson. I don't know anything about him, but I don't. Yeah, he's he a be a good corner with the name Martin Emerson. I mean, you sound like a, it sounds like a scientist. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm a big name scouting guy, Scott. I don't. I know Martin Emerson. Oh yeah, we're taking Martin Emerson shut down corner. Yeah, I don't know if that works, man. Like yeah, I think he's, he's going to intern in the accounting department. You know, during yeah, the like, summer after training. We're really camp. trying yeah. to compare this dude to Sauce Gardner and Kyler exactly. Gordon. I mean, those are yeah. those are Kobe Bryant names. Kobe you know? Bryant, yeah. come on, like. Right. Kobe! You can't be out here, Martin Emerson. I know. <laughs> exactly. Kobe, Kyler. Yeah, right. Like, that's a real, you well, know. Robert Gordon, he wants to see uh, Kyler Gordon ah, uh, yeah. get drafted by the Bucks because he wants to have a, a Gordon Bucks jersey right. and, and right. not just be Robert Gordon's name. He wants right. he wants Kyler Gordon to, to wear that. We appreciate that super chat very much. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I it like does. That. It most certainly does. All right, I have one thing to say. Somebody brought up Tariq Woolen, and I am very intrigued. He was actually actually pretty solid at the senior yeah. boy. I mean, no corner there stole the show. Right. Don't care what anybody's trying to tell you. No corner there stole the show. Yeah. And it, it's concerning because the group of wideouts, like I said, was not that yeah. compelling overall. We're talking about mostly day three guys. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out Christian Watson, though. Um, but Tariq Woolen. 6'3", 205, 33 and a half inch arms. Long, I guess dude. McShay's got him up there. He's yeah. almost he's a 79 inch wingspan for a corner. Mm-hmm. Pretty wild. Um, I'm intrigued. Yeah, uh, yeah. Texas San Antonio kid. Got to see how they all test. Going to be important. Speed's going to mm-hmm. be crucial for him. But he's supposed um, to fly too. He was one of the fastest players with the zebra uh, speed tracking at the Senior Bowl. So he yeah. was up there, I think, in the top four, top five. And um, the interesting thing about him is very much like Richard Sherman, right? He's got that long build, right? Six three, long arms, fast guy. Uh, he started off as a wide receiver at UTSA. Now, if you're not familiar with UTSA, is that's University of Texas San Antonio? That's the Roadrunners. So they're they're one of the the newer teams. They've been around for a while, but they're not like the Longhorns or the Texas Tech Red Raiders or the Texas A&M Aggies. It's a smaller school, but UTSA, they're in Conference USA, start up as a wide receiver, had eight catches for 150 yards. I'm sorry, 15 catches, 158 yards and a touchdown as a freshman. Nine catches for 105 yards as a sophomore was really going nowhere fast there. So they move into defense to take advantage of that length. And in two seasons, he's had a pair of interceptions, nine pass breakups, a sack and a half. So he is an interesting player that really had mobile buzzing. Maybe not so much for his dominance out there, because like you said, nobody dominated. But boy, he's got kind of the physical makeup of what you're you're looking for. And I think he's going to be one of those players that is really uh, going to have a, a lot of the scouts waiting to see how he tests at the combine. Right, John? Yeah, for sure. No question. When you have those kind of measurements and you have a pretty solid senior boy, everybody's going to be watching uh, to see how you show up in the combine and how you stack up, especially small school guys. It's crucial for them. People want to, yeah. people love the feel good story, Scott, but you're not a small school guy that tests bad most of the time and end up being a good player at almost any position, but especially at those, especially at corner yeah. wide out, like those positions were edge rusher, those positions that require a certain level of athleticism. Like that. it's really important for those guys to test well. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the combine. I don't throw, obviously, tape first, but I'm a big believer yeah. in the combine. Not necessarily if you test great, you're going to be great. Not that way, but if you test poorly, it eliminates you. Like exactly. Statistically, it, it yes. should be an eliminator for you and take yeah. move guys down or off boards because of it. So yeah. that's why yeah, it's, John, it's that, that's, that's a great point. And, and we're going to be at the combine. Peter Report's going to be there. Yeah. Um, the, the combine does two things. If a player stands out athletically, it does three things. Number one, it confirms, right? If mm-hmm. if you have a, a high grade or mid grade on a player and they do what you, what you expect, it confirms that that grade for that player. Right. Number number two, if a player really excels, if a wide receiver just blows the, the doors off the barn with a fast 40 time, it might cause you to go back and look at the tape and say, mm-hmm. okay, well, you know, was he playing with with a with a crappy quarterback that just couldn't get him the ball? Is that why the production wasn't there? You know, it it, it causes some curiosity. Let's go back and look at this guy. And then number three, like you said, John, this is a big thing. It is an eliminator, right? If right. if you if you're a um, you know a, a, an outside linebacker, an edge rusher, and you have a slow forty time, but but boy, you really are super slow in your your first ten yards. Mm-hmm. You know, cross you right off the list. So right. there are certain type of drills at the combine 
that that really you know yeah, accentuate not, that for yeah. for cornerbacks it's it's not just the forty time, John. What are the other drills that you yeah, look I for? The forty is the biggest predictor for corners. You know, in terms of like we talk about edge rushers, the forty matters. You can't it just in terms of hitting certain thresholds. It doesn't have to be fast. Just can't be this slow. For example, right. like there's you know tight end has the same thing. Wide receiver, some of those corner, but but corners like having actual speed, like being you know four four two and not four five eight four five yeah. six is actually very helpful, especially in terms of scheme diversity. Like uh, you might be fine as a four five six corner in certain schemes. What certain defenses asked you to do? I mean, look, the Bills just had the best defense in the league, and they had two corners who can't run at all after right. Trey White went down. So, yeah. like, you can get by with it in certain schemes and certain right. ways that teams play, but it it shrinks the the pool of teams and schemes. So you're less likely to be drafted high then. So it mm-hmm. does affect those things. But for corner, yeah, those are important things. Like the three cone, for example, it's always good to be agile. It's always good to test well. It yeah. doesn't necessarily make you a bad corner because of the three cone. A lot of cornerback movements are very unique to just playing corner in an NFL setting. Mm-hmm. So even like side to side movement necessarily, you don't, you're not necessarily always doing that. You're turning, you're flipping your hips, you're running right. vertically, you're coming out of your pedal and you're breaking back to the ball. So jumps help. It always helps to be more athletic, but I wouldn't say any of the other drills really rule a corner out or hurt them what tremendously. Are your thoughts? Like horrible athlete. Just yeah. Like what bottom. are your thoughts on, on like the three cone drill being more important for somebody who's going to be playing in the slot or, or have the ability to play in the slot is it does that does that agility there because you know so many times you're going up against a slot receiver who's taking two steps and then cutting a hard left cutting hard right you know with either it's a crossing route or an out yeah i mean it always helps to be more athletic like i said like that's always true i wouldn't say that it's necessary like if you're a if you're a mid level three cone tester at corner it shouldn't be that's acceptable to you yeah it shouldn't it shouldn't there's no data that shows that it has a negative effect on your nfl career yeah that three cone now as an edge rusher it's a critical drill because think about what the three cone does it's that l drill so you're you're bending around edges you're not necessarily changing direction side to side that's the shuttle but you're bending around uh, an arc basically which for an edge rusher is is very similar to and mimics greatly the movement that they have as a pass rusher so it's a very important drill for edge rushers. So are 10, so are jumps. I mean, testing might be more important for edge rushers, honestly, than any other position, in my opinion. But yeah, just being able to be fast enough at corner and wide receiver and some of those other positions, like there's been guys at all positions that I've been like, I've had to move off of because they just, the testing combined with the age, combined with the lack of production, you take those factors and you need the tape to be overwhelmingly positive, better than other Mm -hmm. players in order to overlook some of those other factors. Always tape first. But you can't have really good tape and then be right. you know, super old. You're 24, 25 years old. Yeah. Your production's <laughs> terrible. Like yep. your percentage of your team's production is bad. Your testing's bad. All oh, but he looked great on tape. Then you end up with Calvin Harmon. You know what I mean? Like, right. and everybody loved him. He mm-hmm. tests poorly. Nobody wanted to come off him, myself included. We all got burnt. Like now yep. we had him ahead of Debo Samuel and we look like fools. <laughs> That's what ends up happening if you don't take that stuff seriously. Uh, from Tom Buckspan, I wish we had drafted Trey Hendricks, Hendrickson as a defensive end, played at FAU, also Conference USA. You're just talking about edge rushers, and we were talking about Conference USA. This was a guy that I absolutely loved at the East-West Shrine. He dominated at the East-West Shrine. He was a standout player, uh, went to, to Florida Atlantic. And hey, they uh, wouldn't, I, if The Bucks wouldn't have drafted him in this year either because they're not drafting they're not drafting guys who don't play the run or don't exactly but but the, this is a guy that, that has proven you know that that 13 sack season wasn't mm-hmm. a fluke in in new orleans he can Good get player. to the yeah he can get to the uh the quarterback yeah. um real, real quick another super chat from william butler we appreciate it. how early do we draft a corner that's kind of what john and i were talking about it's i, I think there's going to be other needs right defensive tackle uh, it, obviously it depends on free agency how many how many uh roles can you fill with 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 your cap room, I don't think it'll be in the first guys. round, though. Yeah, I don't think it'll be in the first round. I, I don't think so either. Because all three of those guys are back, and you're not totally out on SMB. You're not like right. trying to cut SMB. You might be yeah. trying to push him for playing time. But you know, if, if I were me, Scott, I would bring, I would sign a veteran for cheap, and I would draft somebody at the at the point in the draft where yeah. you felt like the board fell. I wouldn't let anything deter you from drafting one. If there's a great player you <clears> love <throat> in the first round, take him. It's one of the most important positions to leave. You cannot have too yeah. many guys. If Sauce Garner slips down yeah. to number number right. twenty seven. And if he's not ready, you make him yeah. your CB five to start the season. Like <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do it. Like, yeah. but you you might need him to be your CB two next year. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Or one if Carlton's playing on the franchise tag. Right. So it's a position that whoever they draft, it doesn't really matter. As long as they feel like that player can help them eventually, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be year one. It shouldn't be year one. I mean, those three we mentioned should play, and there should be a veteran involved. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be necessarily Ross Cockrell. He could be back, but yeah. it could be, you know, we'll get to a couple of names here in a second. But I don't think it has to be an early priority. If there's a great player, they'll obviously take them. You know, I'm right. always about best. I, I, I think the best only player. thing that, that would give me some some pause uh, about this is how shell shocked did they get at the cornerback position to where they they draft one early? I'm with you, John. I don't think they draft one in the first round, but is the temptation there in the second round? And that's where again, MJ Stewart, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, Bunting have been drafted. That that's a hot zone for Jason Light. He puts a premium on the cornerback position, and we've talked about you know, the future need in, in 2023 to to have one in the hopper, but. Did he get so shell shocked that he's going to end up drafting one this year, or is he going to prioritize a wide receiver? That if, if you draft a wide receiver in the second round, that could be your starter. That could be a yeah. starter this year yeah. uh, in, in your three wide receiver sets opposite you're, Mike Evans and and, and uh, Chris Godwin. You're rarely going to hear me complain about drafting a corner or a pass rusher, or in most cases a wide receiver. Like those three positions. Obviously, you got to have your quarterback. You got to have your 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 line right uh, in terms of the players. But in terms of volume, you can be deep at wide out, deep at corner, and deep at pass rusher. Whatever they are play along the D line, you know, yeah. as you want to be. And you're not going to hear me complaining. So they can they can stockpile up for all I care. If it's a first round, great. You know, obviously you want to prioritize who's on the board and, and look at who's on the board. But it should be a consideration every year for every team and every round, pretty much draft the corners because yeah. you can't have enough good of them. If you have a good one playing cheap. And there's tons of good ones every year come out of the draft. So get yourself one of those guys uh, and you'll end up being good. Let's talk about some free agents. But first, before we do that, speaking of money and spending money in free agency, Scott, I know that there's a place people can do that, especially this Sunday coming up as the Rams and the Bengals meet in the Super Bowl. Tell our friends about the the good old bets that they can put down at Art with my bookie. Yep, that's right, John. And uh, there's one place to go if you're going to do any wagering, and that is our partners at my bookie. Now, your team, the Buccaneers, might have missed a big game this year, but MyBookie's double deposit bonus makes sure that you won't miss the big game. Sign up at MyBookie today using promo code PEWTER to have your first deposit matched instantly so you can get on all the action of Super Bowl 56. The only way watching the game could be any bigger or any better is to get paid for doing it. And really, that's what MyBookie's doing here. They're doubling your money with your first deposit. And they want you to, to, to do this for the big game because there's tons of Super Bowl prop bets. Whether it's on the field or off the field, there's no shortage of wagers to choose from for the Super Bowl. So get in on all the action, let the confetti fall, and walk away a winner. Don't miss out. Head to MyBookie, double your first deposit up to $1,000 with the promo code Pewter. Place your bets and get ready for the unmatched excitement of Super Bowl 56. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Okay, here's a couple f- free agents that I have, Scott, <clears throat> to consider. Casey Hayward thought his career mm-hmm. was over. Watched Tom Brady shred him in 2020 when he was a Charger. That <laughs> second true. half comeback, Casey oh, Hayward caught all the smoke. Couldn't yeah, run with Scotty. It looked like it was over. My boy had one more in him. He came back last year, signed with the Raiders in the last minute, 32, one-year, $2.5 million flyer. You know, he played well last year. Honestly, really did. I'm not saying the Bucks should if he's if his price tag goes up, obviously the Bucks shouldn't pay him any more than right. that. But if you're looking for who's going to be your your Ross Cockrell fill in, but be to give you legitimate outside snaps if Dean goes down, which obviously he did a lot last year, or Davis goes down like he did last year, to be yeah. your veteran guy who comes in a la Richard Sherman, what they tried to do last year, like that that's gonna be that guy. I think Casey Hayward could be that guy. So one name to think about yeah. as a cheap one year veteran depth. Um, for them if they want that the other guy I'd think about Traverius Ward from the Chiefs like mm-hmm. this has been a good player and he's played well against Bucks. nobody talks about this dude he started for basically four years for the Chiefs um, I don't know what his price tag is going to be because he doesn't like mm-hmm. churn out crazy production or anything but he tackles he's very physical he's very aggressive he plays his tail off his college coach his college defensive coordinator hit me up when he was coming out of college I was doing the draft full time then, and he was like, "Hey, watch this guy! Watch this guy! I'm telling you, watch this guy." It is, vi- I mean, it is. I have a ton of college coaches, and 
agents and hit me up every draft season because I have yeah. draft on my Twitter handle. So like everybody right. you know, just finds me and then sends me. So I did engage with this guy. I did chat with him a little bit, but it's not uncommon for that to happen. And yeah. I only have so much time to get to so many players. I wish I had made more time to get to Charverius Ward and I would reprioritize things if I could go back because yeah. he was absolutely right. This guy ended up being a good player, a baller. He earned his way there. I don't know what the Chiefs are going to do, though. They've let a lot of corners walk, and they've kind of treated yeah. it as a position that they can just recharge and everything. And I have no idea what he's going to cost. A pro football focus is a high projection, $9.5 million per year. Yeah, I don't know that I see him talked about in those circles like that. Um, right. We'll see. Well, I, let me ask you this. Wrong. I mean, we're looking at a one-year deal, right? We're looking at it, if they're going to bring in a guy. Maybe. Or maybe they're looking at a guy to come in and push both of them and maybe compete and play. And maybe, yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what they're, it is, but it is one of the challenges, Scott, is figuring out yeah. what exactly are they looking for. Because they probably don't want an old player, a super old player. Right. But, and they might need a, like, number one or number two guy in, in yeah. a year. So what do they want to bring in and how much do they want to spend for it? It is tricky to figure out how they're yeah. going to evaluate this position. It, this it's it's going to be really interesting to see exactly what this offseason, how they feel about Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis in terms of of the health of those. I mean, they, listen, you you couldn't find anyone in the building who wasn't praising the gravediggers, right? When the confetti was falling and they beat the Chiefs 31-9. to nine. I mean, Sean Murphy Bunting – was the darling of, of the postseason in 2020 with three interceptions in three straight games, a big pass breakup in the end zone. And you had, you know, Carlton Davis, four interceptions that season. Jamel Dean was, you know, was kind of coming on. And, and earlier in that year, he had a, a huge game-changing pick six against Aaron Rodgers that helped them come back and beat the Packers. So much has changed from that Super Bowl, starting in week one with that injury to Sean Murphy Bunting. And so these injuries that have cost the, the front office, this team scouts, valuable time in terms of evaluating, right? And it's right. you get these injuries, you know, it's like you, you look at some players, John. Rondé Barber did not miss a start in I think the, the last 13 years of his career, okay? And Dominic Kasu has not missed a start. Uh, outside of being suspended. He's never missed a, a game due to injury, right? Some players just are blessed with, with Ironman status. And, and some guys are Mr. Lass, right? They, they right. are in that kind of Mr. Lass nickname. And so I think Carlton Davis has been pretty injury-free. But the thing is, is what happens next year if Jamel Dean misses four or five games? What right. happens next year if Carlton Davis or Sean Murphy Bunting start missing some games? It really throws, you know, a, a big monkey wrench into the team's long-term plans because they got to be able to count on it. I mean, Dirk Cutter didn't get a lot of things right in Tampa, but the one thing that he kind of conveyed to me, and he didn't coin the phrase, he just used it, and it really kind of sunk into me, is the greatest ability in football is availability. You can't help with up in the tub. It's like, right. are you out there on the field helping your team? And if you are, then then you're valuable. And if you're on the right. bench, if you're hurt, if you're on IR, you're not. Right. And so we'll see how they treat it. I mean, again, I don't know how much stock they're putting in. Dean just got unlucky a bunch of times this year. He's not like he's missed a ton of time in his career, had serious injury concerns or anything like that. Um, so we'll just have to see how they treat it. They're, the good news is there's no shortage of of depth options at corner. Like there's yeah. you know, there's Joe Hayden popping up every year. There's Haywards. You know, there's lots of players like that. And there's Nichols. Right. Nichols are available and you can get them yeah. for cheap. It's really more about the long-term direction of the position. This year, they should have plenty of talented bodies in the room. Long-term, what's the plan? Can they lock Carlton up so they have at least one guy? Do you, is Dean your guy beyond that? I just don't know. I mean, so that there's a lot of uncertainty with that. And what they do at Nickel is a lot of this is based on, like, do they just keep riding with Sean Murphy Bunting, even though it clearly right. don't work? Or are they going to try and get a true Nickel into their defense? That's what we just don't know yet. Yeah. Well, speaking of we don't know, yesterday we talked about uh, – I wrote a story about this. We talked about it on, on the podcast. Um, Mike Caldwell, Bucks inside linebackers coach, going to Jacksonville to reunited with with Doug Peterson. Oh, wait. And, but wait. Hold on, folks. <laughs> a Buccaneer coach leaving for the Jaguars? Not so fast, my friend. Uh, Gerald Alexander the, uh, from the Dolphins is is interviewing with Jacksonville. So there were reports that that Caldwell was going to be the guy. Mike Garofalo mm -hmm. reported that. And I uh, checked with the Buccaneers yesterday, and they said, uh, we haven't even gotten any requests 
from the Jaguars to even interview Mike Caldwell. And then they finally did in the afternoon. Yeah. And then I guess Caldwell has interviewed, but he's not the only game in town apparently. So I'm not sure. This was Mike NFL Caldwell. Network's report too. I know. That they were, and then they walked it back sort of like 20 minutes later, I guess. I didn't see it as a walk back at the time, but they were like, yeah. there's still some things up in the air. It could be a while before they announce the hire. I'm like, yeah. So he is the hire or he's not the hire? Exactly. Like the first tweet by Garofalo some definitely these, made it seem like he was going to be yeah, hired. Some of these national guys are really jumping the gun, right? I mean, you know. Uh, I mean, hey, look, we're not complaining because we got to write about something right. these days. But like, <laughs> right. I mean, bring him in for 100 more interviews. Yeah. We don't care. We'll write just let us home. know. Is he staying in Tampa yeah. or is he going? Right? That's what we want is just the truth. And I mean, poor Byron <laughs> Leftwich, right? He he was right. thought to be the guy and, and he was right. going to be the guy and then he wasn't the guy. So, um, you know, Long lost lasers. Jacksonville should forfeit a fourth round pick to us for just teasing our coaches all season. Listen, folks, Jaguars are going to Jaguar, man. That's that's my that's my latest phrase. Um, uh, So I did see I did see this uh, right here. Uh, Do we get a a draft pick for the Caldwell hire? No, Uh, that only works for head coaches or executives. So if if you have a, a a minority assistant who leaves to become a coordinator elsewhere. The, the NFL policy does not reward or, or benefit the team for developing that particular player. However, if a coordinator or position coach goes to become a head coach or a front office person, an executive goes to become a general manager, that's when the, the draft pick, the compensatory draft picks kick in. So not for coordinators, but only for head coaches. Buccaneers, John, they could have had an extra third round pick if only Byron Leftwich would have gotten that Jacksonville Jaguars job. Right, could have, could have, uh, but I'm glad Leftwich is yeah. apparently back now. We haven't really talked about that on the show. We were like, "Yeah, he's gone. He's basically gone." And then it was like, "Oh, nope, Jaguars are never going to hire a head coach." And then they hired one, and it wasn't him. So I know one of the biggest shockers I can remember, honestly. And, I think even former Bucks coach like, Lovey Smith gets the head coaching yeah. job in Houston. Here's he a got- question for you: When you covered Lovey Smith. Yes. And Raheem Morris. Did yeah. you ever think that Lovey Smith was going to get a third head coaching opportunity no. before Raheem no. Morris got another no. one? That's like, criminal. Never would have bet on that, I bet. Yeah. I mean, I just said Jaguars going to jag. I mean, it, the, the Texans are going to Texan, man. It's like there's there's three franchises in the running for the absolute shittiest team in the NFL. And it's the Detroit Lions. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And the Houston Lions Texans. might be. Tur- it's Washington's got to be up there. Let's just be. Oh yeah, yeah, Washington. Yeah, the, the Washington the uh, might be Commandos, the Commodore, Commodores, whatever their name is. Uh, Detroit might be turning over new leaf, Scott. They got I hope so. GM, I feel Campbell. bad for. I feel bad for Detroit. I, I hope so. I'm I'm a big yeah. Dan Campbell guy, so yeah. I like the energy he brings. I hope I it's too. the case. But yeah. the problem is they had Jared Goff at quarterback, man. It's I like know. yeah, they, they, they need a lot of things for sure. But I think structurally, I like they've made some good decisions <clears throat> since the new regime came in. So we'll yes. see. But yeah, there's some Jaguars, yeah. Texans. But some l- listen, Lovey Smith. You know, um, you know, he didn't like me very much. I mean, I, I called for him to be fired. I wrote about that. Yeah, when you do like that, it usually. That. Yeah, it usually kind of sours the relationship a little bit, which I understand. I'm just doing my job. I've got nothing personal against Lovey Smith. I just don't think he's a good coach. I just don't. I, mean, I think he, he had so much success at Illinois. It's hard to oh, argue with the Texas decision. John, he was the he had the 31st ranked defense in Houston last year. The 31st ranked defense. Okay. I know he didn't have talent, but like it's still. Are we gonna wait till the new group is good to promote? Or listen, listen, I, I'm I'm just saying. The Houston Texans, I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, racial political thing or whatever, but like Brian Flores should have been the coach there. Yeah. He just should have been. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if, if it if, felt if, like if, he's the guy they needed really. Yes. Yes. And he'd work yeah, with exactly. Casario is, I know it's a mess. Let's tell people about how they can help us out at pewter report. Yes. Scott. They can do this right now. They can help us out right now at pewterreport.com. You can go to this link here, pewterreport.com slash donation and help support all the work that we're doing. We're still cranking the content, the draft content. We're watching tape. We're doing all those things this off season. We're trying to do uh, eventually we want to uh, launch into some YouTube stuff too. And what we need help to be able to do some of these things, to be able to justify spending some money on some of the things that we need to be able to do some of these things like uh, watching prospects, going live and watching prospects and studying tape and having yep. you all come in and ask questions and comments. That's something I want to do this off season for the bucks and for draft prospects. Um, um, but being able to pay our, our people, our staff, 
more as well yeah. so they can come help us produce a lot of this just stuff. got That's back from the senior bowl getting ready yeah. to go to the combine so we've got yeah. some travel expenses so exactly all those yeah. things all your donations go right yes. back to the show and to the work that we do on the site when those donations come in we look at it every month and we say oh we've got enough we can start investing in this in x uh, um, in z all the different types of things so that's yep. why we've grown it's a large part because of the donations obviously are awesome advertisers as well there's lots of ways but this is a big what reason for the growth of peter report so we do definitely seriously appreciate when y'all are able to give whether it's super chats on here through the donation function here greatly awesome appreciate it. yeah it, it really is and and the great thing john is when you go to to uh, peterreport.com backslash donation you uh, you have the option where you can donate as low as three dollars a month, right, and become a monthly donor, um, or you can do a one-time donation for as little as ten dollars. So if if you like the Bucks briefing that was out today on PeterReport.com, great job by John diving into those defensive tackles. If you like the Peter Report podcast shows, if you like the SRS Fab Five, no, I was not campaigning for Blaine Gabbert, just spitting out some truth. No, about I what, think that's what you wrote. I um, <laughs> It was it was a very well read Fab Five. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's good. Hey, that's good. You like our mock drafts, we're gonna have another mock draft in a matter of days, a post Senior Bowl mock draft. So if you like these stories, if you like our content on PeterReport.com and here on our Peter Report YouTube channel, which is called Peter Report TV, um, and, and you want to give us like an internet tip, think of that link as as our internet tip jar, where you can go in and, and give us a high five and add a boy for the good work that we do here, not just myself and John, but also Mavatera, J.C. Allen, Casey Hudson. So um, we greatly appreciate that. And, and Paul Atwell as well. Speaking of uh, our YouTube channel, make sure that you are subscribing to Pewter Report TV on YouTube and hitting that like button on our videos. John, why is that important? Yeah, that helps boost our YouTube SEO. It spreads right. the word to everybody that this is the channel to watch the channel to be at every day when we go live at 4 p.m., which we will be live again tomorrow at 4 p.m. Matt Matera and I on the Laid Back Thursday podcast. We're going to talk about the Buck safety situation, talk about the free agents, talk about the long-term plan there. Should they re-sign Jordan Whitehead or should they not? Matt and I might go head-to-head on that. We'll have to see how it goes down. And we'll also give you numbers. We'll talk to contract experts and tell you what the projection looks like for re-signing Jordan Whitehead and whether it's plausible or not. And we'll look at free agents and draft prospects and so on and so forth as well. So we appreciate y'all. Thank y'all for jumping in here and tuning in with us for another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.